if you see on the screen there, you're probably wondering what that is. How many of you know we're about halfway through summer? Isn't that an amazing thought? We're in August already. I think we just, we just blinked. We were shoveling the snow, and then we blinked, and all of a sudden it's, it's August. And I was thinking, this is a good time to stop and take some stock of where we are throughout the year. Uh, how many of you even remember those resolutions from January? I'm not going to ask who, ke- who kept them, because I know we wouldn't get any hands, but even to remember what we said, how many of you set some goals for yourself this year? Maybe there was a certain amount of weight we were going to lose, or a certain amount of money we were going to save. How are we doing on those things? Come on. It's okay to take some time in the middle of the year to stop and say, am I making progress towards where I wanted to go this year? What are we doing? What are we seeing accomplished in our lives this year? Are we on track? And I wanted to use today to just kind of give us a mid-year reminder to take stock of some things individually. And as a church, uh, I was thinking at New Life Fellowship, the word to our church this year was everyone. The word was everyone. Everyone has a part. Everyone can give. Everyone has value. Everyone can do something. And it it reminded me this week, even thinking about us being halfway through summer, as a church, how are we doing? with everyone being a part and feeling valued in, in, the, in the things that we're doing together. And uh, I, as I was thinking about it, have you ever done something fun or exciting with your family and some of your family wasn't able to make it? Like, have, have you ever had that? Oh, they were out of town or they had a previous commitment and they couldn't be there. We, we had a birthday party yesterday for Eli and Leo. Uh, four and six, our grandsons are turning this month. So we had a little birthday party, and uh, two of our family members couldn't make it. Uh, Dylan and Jackson are out of the country on a mission trip in Peru, so they weren't able to be there yesterday. And how many of you know that it was fun, it was exciting, we celebrated the boys, but you also missed part of your family not being there. And I feel like that sometimes as a church, it's not the same when everyone isn't together. We, we miss when part of the family isn't here. It's not the same when people are missing, just as it is when you're planning something at home and you do something exciting and, and your family members can't make it. And uh, the reason it feels like that, even at church, is because the church is really people, right? I got one right, and the rest of us aren't so sure. Church is people. That's why we have that feeling. That's why it can be a family. That's why it's a body, because it's made up of people. First Corinthians 12 reminds us you are the body of Christ, and each of you is a part of it. You are, everybody say you are, are. the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Uh, I think it's pretty amazing. In that verse, the first time he says you, he's actually using it in a plural format. He's talking to everyone. You are the body of Christ. But the second time he says the word you, if you study it out, it's singular. He's saying each of you. You are a part of it. And what does that mean when we read that verse? It it means that I can't say that I am the church without being connected somewhere to the rest of the body. Yet at the same time, the church isn't what the church should be without each one of us. Isn't that an amazing thing that God does? He gives us context and significance by belonging, and the family actually feels more full, more complete when everyone is together doing their part. And uh, we do a disservice, I think, to Jesus when we reduce talking about His body to like it's just a building. Or even talking about it like it's just a once-a-week activity that we do. 
We are part of something that's much bigger than that because church is people. And as much as we're trying to be good stewards of the facilities, we've done some improvement projects. How many of you saw the parking lot looked a little shiny and you were afraid to walk on it this morning? Like, is that going to come up? I, I walked across the parking lot and then I walked on the sidewalk like to see if I was leaving footprints or tracks. And Eric's telling me, don't walk on the carpet. Take your shoes off. I'm like, I'm not going to do that. We'll, we'll replace the carpet later. Who, I don't know. As much as we love to take care of the facilities and we have to be good stewards of things, the church is really people. And, and even if we weren't in this building, in this facility, we would still be New Life Fellowship. So uh, remember that. At New Life, part of why we are here as a body of Christ, as a people of God, as the church, we are here to help people encounter Jesus. We're here to grow in our faith, and we're here to give it away to others. And that's what we've been talking about this year. Uh, We've been talking about whether we've said it every week or not. The theme that's been running through the whole year is everyone can do something. We've, We've talked about the things that people can do. We just spent a whole month talking about everybody can be an inviter. Because servants of Jesus invite people. And uh, why do we do that? Why are we doing all those things as a church? Why are we caring about people? Because people don't know Jesus. There, there are people out there, outside of these walls, that don't know who He is. They're living their lives without knowing any of the abundant life that He has for them, any of the quality of life that He wants to give them. And we also do this because not only are there people out there that don't know Jesus, the body isn't everything that the body's supposed to be without those people here. Isn't that an amazing thought that there is still room, there are parts of the body yet to be seen coming into the, the, the arena of what Jesus wants to do in this place. So just a couple of reminders about what we can all be doing this year, what everyone has a part of. Everybody say everyone. everyone. That means me, that means you, that means all of us from the youngest to the oldest fat, skinny, rich, poor, it doesn't matter. We're all part of this thing called New Life Fellowship. So here's a few reminders of what we're supposed to be doing this year as part of everyone. And the first thing may seem kind of obvious for being in a church, but everyone can pray. There, there are some things going on right now that all of us should be involved in praying about. There's something going on. Come on. Can I say this this morning? If Well, I guess I don't have to ask because I'm going to say it anyway. If prayer is boring, it's possible that you're doing it wrong. There should be something dynamic and vibrant and life-giving about praying. There, there were times when it says Jesus withdrew by himself to go pray. If Jesus doing the ministry that he did and needing to go back and recharge and pray, if there was something about those moments with the Father that enabled him to step out and say, watch this. If he needed to do that, how much more should we do it? And if prayer, if we find ourselves like, oh, it's just a drudgery, it's just a routine, we might be doing it wrong. Here's, here's one time when the disciples got a little glimpse into Jesus' prayer sessions. Uh, he took Peter, James, and John with him to pray, and then this happened in Luke chapter 9. It says, as he prayed, his face began to glow until it was a blinding glory streaming from him. His entire body was illuminated with a radiant glory. His brightness became so intense that it made his clothing blinding white like multiple flashes of lightning. Has anybody had a prayer time like that this week? Come on, the reality is most of us aren't, we're not living in that place where when we pray, we're seeing blinding flashes of glory and we have our, if my clothes turned all white, it, it would be 
I don't know if that would be good or not. It's like Moby Dick flashes to mind, chasing the great white whale. Um, Jesus, I think I read that story where it says he was transfigured. That's what that passage is commonly called, the transfiguration of Jesus. What if that was just the only time the disciples got invited along to pray with him? I wonder if that was happening more often than we realize, if that's why it said so many times Jesus withdrew by himself to go pray. And the one time he brings his disciples to say, hey, come with me to see what it looks like when you pray. And all of a sudden he's transfigured and the glory of God is seen before their eyes. I think that's a pretty amazing story. And not every one of us has that kind of daily devotional, but prayer should not be a drudgery. At the, at the very least, it shouldn't be boring. There should be something about our communion with the Father that causes life to flow in us that enables us to go out and do everything He's asked us to do. And I'm not saying there aren't dry moments of prayer. Come on. Pray, prayer is called a Christian discipline because there are going to be times when we just have to do it because we know it's right. But there should be something we're aspiring to or something we're expecting that it's life-giving to us. One thing that makes prayer more exciting is when everyone is doing it together. There is something different that happens when we come together to pray that I don't experience at home praying by myself on my own. There is something more powerful about coming together. It's great to pray by ourselves, but everyone, the word everyone, everyone prayers have more power when we come together. In Matthew chapter 18, Jesus said it this way. He says, again, I give you an eternal truth. If two of you agree to ask God for something in a symphony of prayer, my heavenly Father will do it for you. Come on, we ought to read a verse like that and think, I need something in my life. Why am I spending all this time praying by myself? When I see a promise right there in Scripture that says if two of us come together and agree in prayer on this, it'll happen for us. And I love that translation because he actually uses the word symphony there. And there is the Greek word symphoneo is actually in that verse. If you go back and study the Greek, it's where we get the English word symphony. He's talking about when we come together in harmony, when we are on the same page, when we are praying together God's will in a situation, there is power that happens. There, there should be something so exciting about prayer that we want to do it together because we know that Jesus said stuff will happen when we pray. I think it's, it's pretty cool the Amplified version of that verse actually says you can pray about anything and everything and it will come to pass. What a promise from Jesus. Doesn't he know who we are? Like I'm not sure I would trust me with that kind of power. Like you pray, pray about anything and everything and it will come to pass. Now, the context of that scripture passage is about coming into agreement with heaven. If, if you read before that, it talks about binding and loosing. And, and we think we get all these binding and loosing prayers. We're going to bind the power of the devil and loose this and that. And what he's actually talking about there is come into agreement with what's already true in heaven. What I've already spoken, the things that I did through the cross, the authority I have, when you go to heaven, there's no sickness there. There's no disease. There's no lack in heaven. He's like, come into agreement with those things and see them released in the earth. That's what those binding and loosing prayers are. It's just figuring out, Lord, what have you already paid the price for? What's, what's true about the atmosphere where you are that I can begin to declare over my situations here on earth? And when we do that, Jesus says, hey... If two of you get together in that mode, anything's possible. So everyone can pray. Too many times we suffer alone. 
just thinking, oh, I don't want to bother somebody. This, this isn't worth their time. We, like, I don't even want to bother God, let alone calling Jonathan and saying, will you pray with me? Come on, can we get out of that? There's, there's no reason for any of us sitting here in this room today, there's no reason that you have to go through things alone. And prayer is something that you can do together even when you're apart. Hey, I'm going to call somebody and just say, man, I had to break down. I'm really going through it. Will you just take a minute to pray with me? How many of you have ever called somebody in the church and gotten in agreement to pray for something? How many of you were so glad you did it afterwards? There's just the peace that comes, the circumstances, the weights lift off of you. You shouldn't have to suffer alone. When the power of prayer just says, hey, if two of us, even just two of us get into agreement, watch what happens. He made us part of the body so that we could be in a symphony together. You might think, oh, I'm just the triangle in the symphony this morning. But how many of you know that's a powerful part when you hit that note in the right place? Every one of us can pray. Every one of us has a part to play. And uh, later after service today, I, I made some sheets for the month of August that says everyone has a part. Uh, I'm going to get a couple of the guys to pass these out towards the end of service. Uh, there are some things on there to suggest for you to do this month, some things to pray about, but it'll help us all remind that everyone can pray. There, there are some things that we need. Come on. We, it's not just a good idea or, hey, if we could add that in, it might be a good idea. Like, we need, as a body of Christ, to be praying about some things together. Praying for our communities, praying for salvations, praying for healings. Those are things that should be a focus of what we're praying about together as the church of Jesus. So, some of those things on that list might stretch you a little bit if you do them. But that, that leads to my next point this morning. Everyone can grow. That, this is a year, I believe, where everyone's having opportunities to grow in their faith, to get stretched a little bit, to realize, oh, I need to take another step of where I'm supposed to go with Jesus. Everyone can grow. Jesus actually has it, an expectation. Come on, we, we've come to a place in our culture where we don't like to put expectations on people. But do you know that Jesus actually has an expectation that we'll grow up? Come on, even in the natural, how many parents want your kids to grow up? If, if I'm 50 years old and I'm still acting like I'm 5 years old, nobody's going to want to be around me. And I may get accused of that sometimes. But there is an expectation that we grow. We come to a place of maturity. We leave the things that are childish behind. Not being childlike. Come on, that's how you experience the kingdom. But being childish, Paul says, I put those things behind me. Because Jesus has an expectation that we will grow. And uh, I saw this verse in Romans chapter 12 as a good reminder. I think God's will is never... I'm skipping stuff in my notes. Go back one. There was a good cartoon in there, wasn't it? I, I thought about this this week. There we go. This guy's got a room full of people and he says, Who wants change? And they all raise their hand because they all want something to change in their lives. And he says, Who wants to change? And nobody raises their hand. Why is that? Because even if we all could get excited about prayer, there's not as much excitement about it's time to grow. Jesus wants some maturity to come. He wants us to leave some things behind to grow up a little bit. 
But that is the truth of what He wants for us. Uh, here is the verse in Romans 12. His, his will for us is to never stay in the same place. In Romans 12 too, it says, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn how to know what God's will is for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. God's will is never for stagnation in our lives. Have you ever walked around a body of water that is stagnant? What is the first thing you notice? Yeah, like, ugh, this kind of stinks. Like, I want to go walk somewhere else right now. What if that's a picture of the same thing that happens in our lives when we stagnate and just stay in the same place and we never grow? All right, I'll leave that one alone and move right along then. Uh, Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world. Paul's actually talking to believers there. And he says, be transformed. But you're like, wait a second, Paul. I thought we were already believers here. We were people that have been sanctified and and redeemed and made perfect in Jesus' eyes. And he still says there's something about wanting us to be transformed. There is an ongoing transformation that continues to happen in our lives. And it happens by changing the way we think. Transformation happens in our lives when we submit our thinking to the Holy Spirit. There's something about changing my mind that changes my life. When we get in a rut and we live the old way and we think it's got to be a certain way and we choose to dig in and not grow, there's no transformation happening in our lives. But the moment we say, Jesus, I want to think like you. I want to come into agreement. Come on, you can use willpower to make short-term changes in your life hey, I'm going to cut out salt or sugar for a little bit. And then we get antsy after about a week and we go eat a whole pint of Haagen-Dazs. Come on. Willpower only takes you so far. But when we submit our thinking to the Holy Spirit, that's when transformation happens. That's when things really start to change in our lives. And we leave behind those desires and those actions and the old self that Paul says, put those things off. And it starts with how we think. He wants our thinking to come into agreement with his thinking. What, what could that look like? Hey, I want you to start thinking that you're able, that, that you could be a witness for me. But Jesus, like, do you see what's still going on in my life? You see the things I'm still wrestling with? And he's up there thinking, you're just the guy I have for this job. You, I believe you can do it. I, I love, one of the things my dad always said to people is, you've got the goods. How many of you remember dad saying that to you at some point in time? The hands are getting less and less over the years. But my dad used to say that because he believed in people. You've got the goods. You can do it. And sometimes I think that's part of the transformation in our thinking that needs to happen is we need to come into agreement and say, all right, Jesus, if you ask me to do this, I'm going to trust that you think I'm able to. Uh, In Philippians chapter 1, here's a great verse for you that goes along with this. Chapter 1 and verse 6, it says, I pray with great faith for you. Because I'm fully convinced that the one who began this glorious work in you will faithfully continue the process of maturing you and will put his finishing touches to it until the unveiling of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wouldn't this be great if this is how we prayed for each other? Paul's telling the church in Philippi, I pray with great faith for you because I believe you've got the goods. That's what he's saying in that verse. What if we began to pray for each other like that? Man, I'm standing with you because I believe you can do it. 
What's God asking you to do? Let's pray together because I know you can do it. Man, you've got giftings, you've got talents, you've got abilities. What if we began to pray with great faith for each other and say, I, I know God wants to do this in your life. I think just like the creation in the garden was good, there's the translations that say He began a good work in you. I think it's the same thing. God created everything in the garden, looked at it and said, man, everything I made is good. I think He does that in our lives. He says, everything that I started in your life, every new creation that I've breathed into you, I call it good. And I believe that you can do what I'm asking you to do. Come on, we're not getting saved over and over. We're not trying to work harder. We're just coming into agreement with Him and believing, God, I'm going to think like you think. I'm going to grow in my life. How about this? Let's just, let's just take a minute right now. Lord Jesus, we pray that our friends and our family here at New Life would believe about ourselves the same things that you believe about us. Lord, strengthen us, even in our thinking this morning, transform the way we think that we would come into agreement with you. Lord, let us pray those kind of prayers for ourselves and for each other. Let us be believers in you and what you've done in our lives together. Amen and amen. Man. Everyone can pray. We all get opportunities to grow. Let's handle them well this year. And then the, the last thing I wanted to share with you this morning is I believe every one of us can serve. There is something that Jesus has given to us that we can do for Him. And it's not doing it to earn His favor. It's not doing it to get brownie points. It's doing it in response. Man, I love what He's done for me so much. I just have to do something to tell everybody else. I, I saw an amazing article this week. Uh, talking about community. And uh, it, was, it was interesting to me because we've talked a lot about community in some of our leadership meetings and how do we get church to feel more like a family? How are we all together in this thing? And the, the gist of this article this week is said community hardly ever happens when that's what we aim at. Isn't that, isn't that an interesting thought? We, we can double down and say, oh, we're going to work harder to develop community. And he says that's how we, hardly how we ever get it. And he says what they're seeing in places and in pockets of the church is community happens most often when people begin to serve together. When they start doing something together for Jesus. And it says that's the moment when people realize I've got relationships. I've got value. There's something about serving Jesus and doing the works of Jesus together that develops those relationships and strengthens them in our lives. And I thought that was an amazing, that, I don't know, maybe you guys all already knew that. That was just a moment for me that it clicked in my mind of like, wow, that really is a secret to community is beginning to serve and to do something with what he's given us. And uh, so in that article, he said, if you want community, aim for service, purpose, and mission. Give something for people to put their hands to and you'll see community happen. Uh, so I think we can all serve. Jesus said it's actually the mark of greatness in the kingdom. He said, if you want to be the greatest one in the kingdom, you will be the servant of all. That, that, is, that is the fast track in the kingdom of God to being great is to serve. And so uh, it, an interesting principle, I think, is that when we humble ourselves and we serve, it actually opens the door to more ministry opportunities. Sometimes we get all bent out of shape, like, when are they going to recognize that I want to do this and I want to be a part of this? And the fastest path to that is to serve. 
Here's a great story. There was a guy named Philip in Scripture. And in Acts chapter 8, we see a, a picture of Philip's ministry. It says, He went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Christ there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the miraculous signs he did, they all paid close attention to what he said. With shrieks, evil spirits came out of many, and many paralytics and cripples were healed. So there was great joy in that city. That's a pretty amazing resume of what would happen at a meeting, huh? I, it says it got everybody's attention. If you're praying for people and there's demons flying out of people while they're screaming, I think that attracts attention. And it says lame people were getting up and walking. People were being healed. All these things were happening in Philip's ministry. And probably the most profound thing that happened in that verse that I see is he filled an entire city with joy. Come on, talk about a witness to the world to, to do something that transforms the atmosphere of an entire city. That's what we were talking about this morning and praying for in some of these communities around the country is we want the atmosphere to be transformed. And Philip saw this happen. He went to a place and did so many miracles. It says it brought great joy to the city. Talk about the kingdom coming. Joy manifesting in the entire city. How did Philip get this opportunity? Was, was he the valedictorian of the local seminary? Like, was he the best speaker? Did he do all these things? Like, how did Philip get the opportunity to have that story recorded about him in Scripture? Well, if you read back a few chapters in the book of Acts, he was one of the first deacons. And in, in the church in America today, we've kind of, that word deacon in some places has gotten elevated to places maybe it never was meant to be. I don't know. Uh, we think it's this big high office. The word deacon simply means one who serves. Philip got his start waiting on tables so that widows could get food. I don't know about you, but there's not many people that think, oh, that's, that's the fast track to ministry greatness is to go wait tables for widows. And Philip did that first. He humbled himself and he served and it opened the door to this ministry where God used him mightily to transform a whole city. Sometimes we need to get to a point where we can humble ourselves to say, I'm going to serve wherever there's a need and just trust God that he will move me into amazing ministry times when the door opens. Wherever there's a need, we'll just start to serve. So I just want to, for a check in our mid-year checkup on how we're doing with everyone, I want to remind us, every one of us can pray. Every one of us is going to have opportunities to grow this year, and every one of us can serve somewhere. There's gifts and talents God's given you that the body needs to see in action. And uh, I believe God wants us all to go forward together. That's why he spoke the word everyone to us this year. So what I want us to do for an action item this week, uh, Jake and Josh, if you want to go ahead and pass those out, I want everybody to take uh, an everyone handout. The boys are going to come around and give them to you right now. And what I would like you to do with it is when you do one of the things that's on this handout this week, I want you to share it with somebody else. Whether, whether you give them a phone call or send them an email and just say, man, I did something that was on that paper this week. I prayed for my neighbor or I sent someone a note telling them I cared about them. Whatever it might be, when you do something that's on that paper this week, I want you to share it with somebody else in the body. Let them know what you did and how it's going to encourage all of us to see God moving us forward together. When you get one of those papers, you can go ahead and stand with me. We're going to pray. And then I'll tell you what's, what's going to happen in, right after service. All right. Thank you, Lord. 
Pam just gave me this scripture from Romans 12, 11. We read it this morning at the rally. It says, be enthusiastic to serve the Lord. Is that the one? Yeah, it's the passion. Be enthusiastic to serve the Lord, keeping your passion towards Him boiling hot. Radiate with the glow of the Holy Spirit and let Him fill you with excitement as you serve Him. Man, that's good expectations to have right there. I'm going to show up to serve and believe that the Spirit's going to fill me with His boiling passion and excitement. Thank you, Lord Jesus. All right, this, this side of the room is staying up, but this side of the room is still getting their papers. Uh, we have some exciting stuff happening today. We actually have a kids' summer blast-off camp that's starting after church today. So uh, thank you guys for your patience with us. Uh, one of the things that's going to happen immediately after service is they're going to turn over the foyer and set up some tables. Uh, if you have kids this morning that are here, uh, if you could get them from the, the nursery and kids' main stage back there, just pick them up like you normally would. Keep them with you for about 15 minutes. Uh, we're going to start checking kids in at 11.45. So let them hang out with you for just a few minutes while we're getting the room set up. And then uh, they're going to have an awesome time. Parents, you can, you're free to stay and hang out or go to lunch while your kids are getting taught. And it's going to be an exciting time for them. Zach and Christina have been planning some awesome stuff about space so uh, I know there's going to be some rocket launches and some different things happening, so it's going to be awesome. Uh, thank you, Lord Jesus. Next Sunday, uh, we also have a treat. Uh, Pam and I are going to be out of town, so I'm excited about that. And uh, Pastor Justin from uh, the church that we're helping plant in the West End facilities, uh, New Culture Church, he's going to be here speaking next Sunday. So it's going to be a great opportunity to just encourage him and hear about what God's doing in his life. Uh, talk about churches praying together to reach the community. We're excited to partner with them and see what God wants to do in Elliott and the West End. All right, let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your presence in this place this morning. We thank you for your goodness towards us. We ask that you would continue to have your way in our lives, that you would do things in our lives that we can't explain any other way than saying God is alive, he's good, and he loves us. Lord, let our lives be a testimony to other people around us of the goodness of God. Lord, bless us indeed as we go from this place. Let your goodness and your mercy be seen all around us. Let your favor be upon us. Lord, I thank you for even as we prayed this morning uh, for the other communities around us. Let us be carriers of your comfort. Let us be carriers of your peace. Whatever is needed in situations when we meet people, let us release that from heaven into their lives. We just say that we love you, we honor you this morning. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you've done for us. In your name, amen. Amen. If you need some prayer this morning, there will be some people up front to, to pray with you. Otherwise, you are dismissed. Have a great afternoon.